Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into another News for Jags podcast. I'm Jamal St. Cyr alongside Justin Barney. The Jaguars taking on the Raiders this week, but that's not exactly the big news around the team. Trade deadline action and the Jaguars in the market, but no help on the way for no, this week. No, it was surprising. <laughs> I figured, you know, Jacksonville, again, historically you look at teams that are struggling. I mean, here so far down the pipe now, I don't think a division championship is, uh, is likely for Jacksonville. Usually you're a seller at trade deadline. You're trying to stockpile some assets if you're a rebuilding team, but Jacksonville... How about that? They deal for Calvin Ridley. Of course, he's not going to help the team this year. But next year, it's you're, you're looking for big things. So um, I think maybe some people took that as a sign of Jacksonville maybe kind of throwing in the towel on this season. Uh, but I, I think that was a great deal. I, we'll get to that in a minute. But I think that, tra- that trade, it's low risk. And I think what Calvin Ridley offers them as a 28-year-old receiver, you have all pro potential in bringing him into that room. I love the deal. I think one of the things that immediately came to mind when they did this deal is how many times we've talked about this team not having a, that guy at wide receiver. And he's that guy. And he, he is that guy. guy. And if. he comes and I think there's a big there there's a big if. Big if but, but but there are a few there's a few safety valves here. All right, so the Jaguars make the deal. Calvin Ridley obviously been on the shelf for a little while. So that is a risk because he has not been reinstated yet by the NFL. The expectation is that he will be reinstated and will be in Jacksonville and be able to be here for the majority of the offseason and training camp and into next season. That is the expectation, right. but not the reality uh, just yet. So that is, a, that is a risk. But if you wait until he's reinstated, all of a sudden that price goes up. So exactly. it's good for the Jaguars to strike before we got to that point. So that that's a good portion of it. Uh, the other big if is that he's been on the shelf last season before he was suspended for a little while with some outside of football issues, whether they were mental health, whatever it may be, he was not playing games. So there are some questions about that. Right now, the Jaguars feel like they're getting a hungry young wide receiver in his prime that's ascending, that's going to be in a contract year when he arrives here in Jacksonville, which is good because now you've got a guy who has something to prove. Yeah, you know, I... I like that and you know, kind of building off what you just said, is is he the Calvin Ridley that was the, the 2017, 2018, 2019 Calvin Ridley? Or are we gonna get the Calvin Ridley that was the 2021 pre-suspension Calvin Ridley? Was mm-hmm. not off to a great start last year when he was playing, had the, the mental health issues where he, um, he said he needed to take time off and kind of disengage to unplug for his mental well-being. Hey, that's a part of the game, especially being a high-profile athlete. You're not knocking him for the taking the time off for the mental well-being issues because, again, that could be a, an injury that's as, or something as significant as an injury if you're not in your right mind. Yes. Um, but that being said, he wasn't the same player in the games that he played uh, previously, before he was suspended last year, before he left the team. Uh, so it, it kind of makes me, you know, is Jacksonville getting a guy who's already peaked in the NFL or a guy who's going to come back absolutely 
hellaciously motivated and ready to set the world on fire, reclaim that, you know, that, that uh, burst that he had as a rookie. And then as uh, his best year was not even his rookie season. Um, I mean, he had a great rookie season, but he showed the, the positivity after that. So are you going to get that Calvin Ridley who was kind of the, the pre-five-game issue Calvin Ridley? Or are you going to get the Calvin Ridley who was struggling in those five games before he took that mental break? Right, but there's a lot of ifs here, and I like a lot of the ifs. So here's what the Jaguars traded for him. They traded a 2023 fifth-round pick. If Calvin Ridley is not reinstated by a, or a date that they've discussed and agreed upon, then it becomes a 2023 sixth-round pick. So you're on the hook for a fifth or a sixth-round pick based on his reinstatement. Great. Really not that much to pay. No. Then, if Ridley makes the team, this is an if, if he makes the roster, they're on the hook for a fourth round pick. We'll assume Ridley makes the roster. So right now you're on, let's say, worst case scenario, fifth and a fourth right now. Yep. If he's good and hits a playing stone milestone, that becomes a third round pick. So now, all right, if he's made the roster, he's played a bunch, you're on the hook for a fifth and a third. If he, if he and then there's another if. If he signs a long-term deal, that becomes a second rounder. If the Jaguars don't sign him to a long-term deal, then it's a fifth and a third. So let's say, let's say he comes in here, tears it up, fifth and a third, but Trent Baalke, Doug Peterson are like, this dude's got a bad attitude. We don't want to sign him to a deal. He's not worth the money. And somebody else gives him a boatload of cash. He walks away in free agency, gets his big contract somewhere else. He's happy. The Jaguars are on the hook for a fifth and a third for a one-year rental. But then they get a, compens a compensatory right. pick that the Jaguars haven't gotten in a long right. time. Right. And if he signs a mega deal somewhere, then they get a third-round pick. So then they're on the hook for a fifth-round pick for the dude? That's why I, I like mean, the deal. It's, it, this is a great trade. And again, if you end up having to, to cough up that second-round pick, I think that's well worth it. Again, yeah. you're, you're talking about a guy who you're going to, at that point, he's going to be 29. You're going to sign him to an extension. Yep. Um, you're going to give up a second and a fifth rounder for this guy who's that missing alpha in the ingredient. He's, he's still young enough to perform for you know, probably three years at a peak level. So I do, I like the deal. I like the trade. I think it's a low risk investment. The Jaguars are uh, dripping with uh, day three draft picks. I think that's a, an easy give up. Again, I mean, it was probably tough for Trent to, to give up <laughs> on a six-round pick. You know, he loves those six-round picks, man. So my, own, you know, my only issue, the question is, is Calvin Ridley, you know, you mentioned he's been, he's going to be out of football for basically a year and a half at this point, yeah. and out of game. So that's, the, that's a concern. Are you getting Calvin Ridley, the 2020 Calvin Ridley, the 2019 Calvin Ridley, or are you going to get the 2021 Calvin Ridley we saw in those five games and he has really kind of maybe started to fall out of favor with the Falcons and wasn't really producing um, at a high level uh, when he stepped away. So um, you hope that the issues that he was facing during that time, which made him step away from the team, I'm not talking about the gambling issues, but the mental health issues that he was facing, he's addressed those. Uh, he's welcomed in here. You know, he's Cam Robinson. He knows him. Right. Um, he, he's maybe he's insulated with guys here who kind of recharge him and help him along the way. So you hope if you're Trent Baalke, Doug Peterson, Trevor Lawrence, that Calvin Ridley comes here. He sets the world on fire. He's that guy, uh, the, the 2020 version of Calvin Ridley when he comes here and, and plugs in. I think you're going to get a hungry guy. He's gone on social media, said he's going to be healthy. Uh, you know, it's a good thing that he's going into the final year of a contract because he understands that at the point in his career he is, that if he comes in, sets the world on fire, he gets life-changing money. Right. I mean, he's already gotten some significantly life-changing money, but he can get a, a 
$100 million knocking on the door of it type of contract mm -hmm. if he comes in here and sets the world on fire. I mean, you're talking about an ascending wide receiver, top five money, it, insane money in the NFL yep. if he does it. So you, you're almost definitely going to get this guy's best. What is that best? I'm not sure. I'm willing to give him a mulligan for that final year with the Falcons because Arthur Smith can't even figure out how to use Kyle Pitts. So I'm going to blame it on him. That's a very, very good point. Very good point <laughs> So there. we'll see what Calvin Ridley ultimately is, but the hope is that he is going to do what we've seen other wide receivers do for young quarterbacks. Tua Tungavailoa gets Tyreek Hill. All of a sudden, Tua looks great. Right. You get Josh Allen, he gets Stephon Diggs. All of a sudden, Josh Allen looks great. Kyler Murray got DeAndre Hopkins. All of a sudden, Kyler Murray gets this big mega contract because he was looking great. Yeah, and we and, don't have to re I mean, we, we've said this probably on, if not every version. Everyone. Of News for Jags, <laughs> but every other one at least. I mean, we have beat the drum about Jacksonville is not ever had yes. that alpha receiver. They yes. immediately get that with Calvin Ridley. You know, and you're going into next year at this point with Zay Jones as probably your, your three guy, your slot guy, you know, Christian Kirk, or maybe, you know, maybe switch Zay and Christian Kirk and put Christian on his natural position on the inside with Calvin outside. Maybe you draft a, a first-round receiver next year. I mean, I think with the addition of Calvin Ridley, that gives you serious options to kind of toy around with because he's that – he becomes – potentially that alpha for Trevor Lawrence. He becomes that alpha when you're throwing the ball down the field late in the game and you need somebody to step it up. You yes. know, Joe Burrow words. I know I know he's and down there somewhere. So I know I he's, throw you it. know he's down there somewhere. And all of a sudden, Christian Kirk becomes that much better for you right. because now he's not seeing the teams bracket him or looking for him. Now you've got somebody who's stretching the field 20 yards down that right. the team's worried about. So Kirk's able to cook in that 10 to 15-yard range now because that's where he's at his best. So I, I think this opens up things for a lot of people and you start to think about the 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 dynamic on what this Jaguars offense could be. It's dangerous because we're still, you know, in 2022 and not looking at that 2023 season, but you know, you say, "Okay, well, Christian Kirk's a pretty good receiver." All right. Calvin Ridley a pretty good receiver. Travis Etienne's looking like a really good running back right. and I'm like, "Man, it's almost, it's almost like you got Jimmy Smith, Keenan McCardell, and Fred Taylor. Huh. It, it kind of worked <laughs> out the first go-around, didn't it? Uh, <laughs> yes, so that's, I mean, I like that, especially if Travis Etienne continues to emerge. And uh, really, I think he's going to continue to emerge. The big thing for me is health. Yes. Every time I see Travis take a hit, I'm like, oh, is he getting up? He just looks so small out there. But, again, it's tough not to look ahead towards next year because, A, you're going to get a, a third year of Trevor Lawrence, you're going to get Christian Kirk's second year in this offense, A. Jones' second year in this offense, Marvin Jones will be gone, um, and you're going to get possibly a receiver in that first or second round that you can kind of develop and grow. Uh, they've got to take a receiver early next year to me, a receiver or a defensive back with that first-round pick. Um, you've got to and, and build and restock that position because, again, it's, it's nice to get a Calvin Ridley in the fold, and if he develops like everyone is hoping he will, but again, you're talking about it at that point, a 28-year-old receiver. It'd be nice to have a 21, 22-year-old guy to kind of uh, blank, you know, be that that second guy and grow from that. You know, have him in that first year, that rookie contract. So um, I think that's best-case scenario is, is Calvin Ridley returns to form, and you get another receiver early on in the draft that you can really develop. Yeah, and that, but that's part of the problem why they needed to do this deal for Calvin Ridley because when you look ahead a little bit. And you start seeing, okay, well, who's going to be available in the draft and in free agency? The free agency 
list does Terrible. not look good. Terrible. It's awful. I mean, you're talking about Juju Schuster, who just got to Kansas City, hasn't done much. Marquez Callaway, Julio Jones, DJ Chark will be a free agent again. A lot of the guys that would make this free agency class, something have been locked up, and everybody else has injury issues, question marks, lack of productivity. Like, when you talk about what they've done in the NFL, Julio Jones is the only free mm -hmm. agent that has done much of anything. And he's, and he's ancient. On the, right? on the last leg of his career. When you get into the NFL draft, there are a few guys that are very interesting but supposedly the depth at that position is just not there. And it's so not like the last two receiver classes right. in the draft, which have been where there Where there was guys down. where you could get right. at any point. So it's almost like if you, if you go into the draft with a must-at receiver, everyone's probably going to be fighting for those top couple of guys. And the Jaguars look like they're going to be locked in for a, a pretty early pick. Mm -hmm. Probably top ten. Right now they're in the top five. Is there a receiver that's worth that top five pick? I'm not sure. Quentin Johnson out of TCU looks really good and a very interesting player. But you don't want to go in and you have to mm -hmm. get your guy there because then you have no other options. And so at the very least, now they can go in and not feel like it's a must. You can feel like, well, we got Christian Kirk. We got Calvin Ridley, and then we at that other that third receiver spot, you can have a combination of guys, a combination of Zay Jones and Jamal Agnew. Mm -hmm. Maybe Travis Etienne works on his pass catching. You know, he can play a little bit in the slot at that point. So a combination of those guys, I'd feel pretty good. Um, let's not get too far ahead, though. We're, 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 talking, we're, we're already talking, talking about next year. All right, let's get back to this year. I know Doug Peterson kind of got on us this week because he was like, we still got nine games left. Why are y'all talking about next year? We all made the trade. Um, it, it did kind of feel like they were waving the white flag on mm -hmm. the season a little bit. But when you've won, you started off the year 2-1, and one, then you go on the slide, and now you're 2-6. and six. It's like it's tough to say. Oh, we're still in it. You know, there's a lot of games left. Right. But you you got to figure out how to win something. Yeah, exactly. There's been a pretty good blueprint on on what we can expect in this team. Right. They're not going to win eight of nine down the stretch and win the AFC South. Right. And so. and that's the problem. The problem. Well, the problem is I could see them doing it because they've been in every game and they know they can win it. It's just two or three boneheaded plays every game. Couple of most of them come from Trevor Lawrence. Yep. At some point or another during the football game, he makes a, a a bad interception. There's the fumbles during the Philadelphia game. Mistakes that cost this team. Where take the check down. It's second down. Get it to the guy. Pick up two or three yards. Don't take the incompletion. And you know, Trevor spoke about it after. The Texans game, he's not going to force things, and then again, he we did see, it against the Broncos. We see the, the Broncos regression. play was the exact same play design, and he rolls out. And on first down from the one-yard line, tries to force it in instead of throwing it 16 rows into the stands. And I'm sure it's infuriating for Doug Peterson because he was mad after the Texans game. He calls the play again, and Trevor does the same thing. So it, at some point, Trevor has to – at some point, we're going to figure out if Trevor's the guy. This is the first time in this kid's life that he's seen adversity. First time. He's been – he, he's been told how great he is his entire life. And we've mm -hmm. talked about this before. He was great in high school, probably was great in peewee ball. He was great in college. Oh, he's going to be number one pick. We're going to the national championship. Everything was fine, Dandy and Grant. He was just more talented than the other person for his entire life. Uh, he, and there's some players that are like that, and they have to figure out how to adjust when the talent level gets closer. And, and that's now why he's say, having to do that. That's why I say year three is big because you're – and, you know, I, I write off Trevor's rookie season. I mean, to me, that was, that was just, you're lucky that that rookie season didn't damage him 
mentally, emotionally forever. And I think he's bounced back well this season. But again, as Doug Peterson has driven home the point, this is how many offensive coordinators and head coaches in in three years. I mean, this has been a a substantial learning curve for him. So I think year three has kind of been, to me, he needs to take a massive jump in year three to really say, okay, I don't think he's that generational quarterback right now. I think people have latched onto that and that that's easy makes it easy to pile on him each week i think he's just a guy a struggling guy right now he has the physical tools Mm. he has the arm talent he has the size i mean he has the mobility i mean i think i do think he looks like a giraffe running out there sometimes but you know what he covers yards he he has the tools you want from a quarterback he sees the football field relatively well even the interception against the uh, the broncos he's like I saw Marvin, I had him, I just needed to get it over the guy in front. That's confidence that he can make that throw. That's also being a tad bit greedy on first and goal. Mm-hmm. Like there, Somebody has to kick him in the confidence a little bit and say, smart football, Trevor. Smart football says, eh, I'm, it's not worth the attempt. Like if it's fourth and one, go for it. Right. You saw him in the back, take the shot, we're going right. to do what we got to do. But here's where the, where the rubber has to meet the road. When he's been told how great he's been his entire life, realistically, he hasn't run into that much football adversity. I'm sure he's had adversity in his personal life off the football field, but football adversity, it hasn't come there. Cartersville High School, the kid was winning games. He won like, he lost like a national or a state championship game. That was like his one loss. Mm -hmm. Same thing in college. Clemson was winning games. He didn't sit on the bench for very long to earn that starting job. There was, there's never been that much football adversity. So probably for the first time in his life, people are doubting what he can do on the football field. Right. And this is that these are the moments that make Tom Brady great. Those are the moments that make Aaron Rodgers great because they took the oh, you think I can't do it and have basically embraced it. It lit the fire and has fueled it for their entire careers. And Trevor has to respond right. and, and light that freaking how, fire. How many times this year have we seen him in that situation where, and I, I say it on Twitter each week when it gets to that crunch time, anybody have confidence that Trevor can, can win this game? And I'm not scientific, but I would say probably 98% of the responses are no. And I think if you ask that same question to a prime Tom Brady crowd, a prime Aaron Rodgers crowd, they're going to say, Hell yeah, we have confidence right. they can win. And Trevor has just not been in that situation to where he can, I don't know if he lacks confidence. I don't know what it is, but there's just not that ability in Trevor Lawrence. I don't know if it's a belief in himself or just he's not learned to respond. And Doug, you know, to Doug's credit, he says, you know, he's got to be in these situations. He's got to perform in these situations. Right. And they've had him in these situations probably five times this year where he's had that ball and been able to, in, in one of those Brady moments, drive the field and, and right. do it. The problem just feels like that it factor isn't there right now. Now, the question is, can this be the Can it be lit? Mm-hmm. Can that be taught or learned? I'm not sure. But Doug Peterson and his group have the tough task of trying to figure out how to get a young quarterback to learn how to have that it factor to say they don't think you can do it Trevor are you gonna sit here and say oh I don't need football I don't have to be great at football life is great or are you gonna go prove all of your doubters wrong lock in do the work and go be great and he has to make the decision and you know what hey his life might be great if he chooses not to lock in and be great at football might be who knows 
I mean, he's said it before, but he, it's that it factor. It's the, everybody doesn't think I can do it, let me go show you. Right. And I think that's what's where some of the frustration for a lot of people come from because he can make the throws. We've seen him make the throws and we're like, yep. wow, that's beautiful. And then in the moment, it's like, I'm not a quarterback and I could see, you know, take the check down, kid. Like, it's not hard. And, I, you know, it's that almost hubris from his entire life. He's been, that's, it's like in basketball. If you're the seven footer your entire life, like, why are you, you don't have the, the unless you have that will to develop those other skills, you're just bigger, stronger, faster than everybody else on the court. And until you get to maybe college or the NBA, you don't get that reality check. Right. Trevor's finally getting that reality check. Because realistically, if we go back and look at Clemson's schedule when he played in college, how many other teams had the same talent level as Trevor Lord, as the Clemson Tigers? Uh, not many. Probably not many. Yeah, not he, many. his talent around him in college was certainly So they just sheer out talented people. Right. I mean, like you think about the guys he was throwing the ball to, the guys on their offensive line, the guys on their defense, they put so many guys in the league, they were just out talenting people. And he's a very talented player, but he, those mistakes get hidden because you're just like, "Oh, this guy's not going to make that play. Like Justin Simmons jumps up and makes that pick. How many safeties in, the co in college can jump up and make that play? Mm -hmm. Not many. In, mo in, in college, that's probably a touchdown. And he's like, yeah, I got, I got this guy in the back. Justin Ross, touchdown. He's probably done it before. This ain't, this ain't college, though. Right. This, this isn't. So, so the question, can he take that? And I, I'm not, if this is year three and we're still talking about these issues, I don't have confidence. But this is year two. He's how many games into his NFL career? 26 games into his NFL career this weekend. Um, I, I still think he can get there. Um, I don't know if he's got that dog, that killer instinct in him, um, that Brady Manning kind of thing where they want the ball with 27 seconds left to go. Winners want the ball when the game's on the line. And, if he doesn't want the ball, he ain't the guy. And I don't, I just don't see that. In, I don't either. Trevor, right I'm now. not sure that he has it. But winners want the ball in their hands when the game's on the line. Does he? I don't know. Yeah, I'm the same I way. Know. I think 25 in games into his career, he doesn't have it. He doesn't have it. He doesn't have that killer instinct. So at 35 games into his NFL career, will he have that killer instinct? I think that's next year is the absolute does he have it or does he not kind of you know, stepping point. So I don't think he's got it this year. I just don't think he's got it. Unless he's, there's some massive turnaround in these final, uh, these final nine games, I just don't. Ooh. At some point down the stretch, we need to see at least glimmers of hope, glimmers of consistency. Uh, there has to be a stretch. If toward the end of the season, we don't get at least a, a few game stretch of consistency. And we did see hope. it. Too. We saw it twice this year with you know, the defense twice. couldn't hold things. The defense could not hold, uh, hold the game. Um, and uh, the Texans game obviously was a terrible performance. Um, but he had two comebacks. The, the Colts game, he didn't lose that game for them. He didn't. Um, the defense let him down, Shaq Griffin. But, but is, he, is a game manager the expectation? They can go get a game manager from anywhere. Like, at, at what point is a game manager acceptable? Uh, right now, when they're, they're in these games, the running game, like, I mean, the Colts game in Indianapolis, the running game was moving the ball. He made some good throws. I think I'll give it to him. I but, think you're a game manager when you've got a bona fide running game and a sledgehammer defense, and you're, you're Joe Flacco or you're Trent Dilfer, and you just need to kind of get the team in position and not lose the game. Right. So, I mean, 
is, is Trevor Lawrence that? You know, you build with a strong running game. Is Travis Etienne the guy instead of Trevor? Well, when he's throwing interceptions in the red zone, no, he's not that because right? a game manager can't do that. True. So th that's the problem. Like, my, he's very good for 75% of the field. You get in that red zone and you run his numbers, that's where the problems come into play, where yes. the turnovers start to stack up and the incompletions and the mistakes. And he just has to accept that, like, for whatever reason, the drilling in his head of every play doesn't have to be a first down or a big play isn't, isn't connecting there. You know, on second and seven, you can take the check down. Let's get to third and short mm -hmm. here, buddy, instead of making it a third and seven because you're going to try and force it down the field. That's why like, it's in, okay. in Washington in week one, game on the line, it's, it's, yes. it's third down, yes. and you throw the ball just uh, Hail Mary. A terrible situation there. It's a reoccurring problem. And, I mean, it doesn't help that the Jaguars don't really have tools that force a defense to spread out and move. Mm -hmm. So he's being asked to kind of pick apart a defense that's able to condense itself because the Jags aren't able to really take the top off. So that's part of it. That, that is definitely part of it. But the other part is you still have to be smart situationally. And that's the kind of... I, I could forgive him in like two-minute situations if he's not just managing the clock like a 10-year vet. Mm -hmm. I, I get that. But some of the stuff like first down, you know, you just got, you're on the one-yard line, and you, wh why are you forcing that there? Doug Peterson I mean, said that's one of the safest plays that they have. A design rollout, you don't like it, throw the ball in the end. It, it's throw, simple. Throw it out of the way. It is a one-read play. That is, that is a, a play that they give a quarterback that they will give any quarterback in this league. Generally, they give it to quarterbacks that they say can't play in the pocket or can't read a defense. You think of uh, uh, Justin Fields, who they say, oh, well, he's athletic, but we're not sure about his ability to read the defense. He's looking better these days. But you give him a play like that. One read, either tuck or throw it in the stands. That's it. Trevor had three options mm -hmm. here. Roll out. If it ain't there, if you don't see it run, throw it in the stands. But he played hero ball. And hero ball gets you beat in the NFL. Right. And, again, in the red zone, you know, you hate to blame. Coaches don't do it. But you hate to blame uh, pin a loss on one player. But that swing last week in the Broncos game, that's a 10-point swing. I mean, Jacksonville, at worst, gets a field goal there. What's Denver do? Get the ball there, and they punch it in. So, uh, I just, again, in a 21-17 game, that is a – defining moment in that game. Well, that play and the interception at the end, see, one of the things that I've harped on a little bit with Trevor is even in that Colts game in, that where they shut him out, Jaguars won, there were like three plays that were almost interceptions where the Colts defensive backs dropped him. And I was like, man, I know, I know the Jaguars won, and I know Trevor Lawrence's stat line looks great, but those three almost picks could have changed the game. And I don't want to be the pessimistic one, but I'm just saying those worry me. Feels like, oh, you're crazy. Okay, it was fine. A little foreshadowing and, and there. A little foresh the Broncos game, because the, the defensive back even talked about it after the game. He's like, I almost got him early in the game. Trevor went back to it. I wasn't going to have it twice. And he got it that time. It's like it was an almost interception. Guy broke it up. And then see, you go right back to it. Mm -hmm. That defensive back ain't just going to let you do it again. If he read it the first time, hold up, wait a minute, think about it. You see him in the same position, he's making a break on that ball. You got to give these guys credit sometimes. And the guy with a cast on his arm. The guy with a cast on his arm. <laughs> it, it makes it even better. It, 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 it's just rough. It's tough to, to, to figure out exactly where he's got to be. Um, I do still think he has the physical talent. Does he have the, 
I mean, I guess the that dog. it. Yeah, does, does, he he have, it? does he have that dog in him? Does he have it? I don't, at I, this I don't point, know. he doesn't. I, at this point, he hasn't shown that he does. At this point, he has not shown. At times, you see glimpses of it, mm-hmm. but he has not turned that light on. On game day, he doesn't change into a different guy, mm-hmm. uh, and, and he's going to have to do that. He's going to have to figure it out. That is disappointing. And I, I, I think it starts, again, Doug Peterson said at his introductory press conference, this was going to be a rebuild. This was going to take some time, and that two-and-one start really kind of um, I, I covered things up or accelerated it in, in people's minds that, um, that this team had arrived, and that was not the case. No. No, definitely not. But one of the bright spots of this, like, awful stretch has been Travis Etienne. Oh, my goodness. He is fantastic. I know we, like, raved about him during training camp, and then it was kind of quiet, and we were like, okay, James Robinson is really good. And then Travis has just come on. I mean, he looks like – I keep trying to think about running backs that he reminds me of. He's almost like, like a Jamal Charles 2.0 kind of guy. Like, just that speed is just different. The only thing he, the only thing that keeps getting him is he can't quite get that last guy mm-hmm. to miss. He can't that quite. That forty-nine get there. yard run, he almost had it. There's one guy to beat, and he's got that speed. So, he does, and he can make guys miss. So he's going to break one of those one day. At some point, he's going to get one. Uh, he is fantastic, and seeing him come on has been huge for the Jaguars. Uh, they're going to need more of him moving forward. Uh, on the other side of the ball, Tyson Campbell been a little bit of a bright spot. Sounds like he's going to get the chance to shadow Devontae Adams this week. So that will be our first real uh, look at what Tyson has in him because he's never gotten a test like this before. So if he follows Devontae around the field, which it sounds like what they want to do, I will be impressed if he can if he can hold his own there. Yeah, I, the Raiders, I mean, they're, they're a similar team to Jacksonville to me this year. I mean, they've had games where they play the Chiefs to within one point and lose in a, in a heartbreaker. And then games where, I mean, they beat the Texans, they beat the Broncos, teams that have beaten the Jaguars, but they have games like against the Saints where they're totally outclassed. How are you allowing that to happen? Derek Carr, is, we've talked about him before, kind of being that midway point of the NFL. You're starting to turn into the elite quarterbacks. Derek Carr is right at that cusp of level where he's kind of mid-range to upper level. And Devontae Adams, you traded for that guy. It, they've just not been well. I mean, Josh Jacobs is having a breakout year. They are doing things right, but not winning games. No. It's just it, a snake-bitten, cursed team, the, the ghost of John Gruden. Is Trevor Lawrence better than Derek Carr right now? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think even no, close. I don't think, you're, I, I don't think he is either. All right. Um, I guess we can go ahead and pick the game then. Uh, do you feel like... The Jaguars are going to end the losing streak this week. Uh, throw me to the Wolves because I've said that for the last five games and <laughs> they have not been able to do it. So um, I'll say they uh, they don't. I'll pick against the Jags pick this week. And, and the Raiders, all right. I, I, I just don't know how. I, I fall into the back of the standings. Apparently I'm playing for... Uh, for 2023 pick in the fantasy football draft <laughs> at this point, I'm, I think I'm one in seven in our, in our picks, and I've been married to the Jaguars during that streak, and I'm going to have to shy away from them this week. I'm going to pick the Jaguars this week. Whoa, um, I'm a gonna change. Pick, I'm going to pick the Jaguars this week. I, I, I originally said I was not going to pick them until they showed me they could win close games, but I'm going to double back on that. Picking the Jags, I think they can take down the Raiders. Coming from Las Vegas all the way here to Jacksonville, I'm going to hope for a little jet lag. Uh, they are coming off a shutout loss, so that is a concern for me because, uh, you know, teams don't like to put back-to-back bad weeks together, especially after a shutout. So this will be a tough game. 
Hopefully Darren Waller doesn't play because, you know, the Jaguars struggle against Titans. But I'm picking the Jaguars. I think they'll win this one. I do think this will be a close game. I think it'll be a, a little bit higher scoring game, upper 20s probably, uh, since both defenses have struggled of sorts over the last couple of weeks. Um, but I'm going to go Jaguars. I'll say 28-24, something like that. Okay. I'm going to say Raiders. I'll ch- I'm going to change this week because – uh, I've not done well picking the Jags. So I'm going to say Raiders 23, Jaguars 21. All right, Raiders. We're split on this one. We'll have to see which one of us is right. Hopefully it's the Jaguars. That would give them the third one of the year that they've been searching for for, like, forever. <laughs> All right, thanks for tuning in for this episode of the News for Jags podcast. We'll check in with you again next week. <laughs>